0: And with a quick turn, the skipper Alex Dock slams it in.
1: There's Lindegard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's fended by the deflection.
0: It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal.
1: Stansfield, good turn away from John, goal!
2: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glover's Past from the Glover's Cast. It's Dave with you today and as customary, we're joined by another former Town hero to discuss his time as a Glover. Joining us tonight is a player who arrived at Hewish Park, having turned out for another team that play in green and white hoops, uh, somewhere in Glasgow apparently, uh, and went on to make 36 appearances, scoring five goals, which wasn't bad for a defender, uh, although there was a red card in there as well. So we'll chat <laughs> to him about that and a lot more beside. But welcome back to the Glovers cast, Mr Adam Virgo. How are we doing? You OK? We're doing all right. Thank you. Thanks for coming <clears throat> back. And say back, because you obviously joined us uh, in your role as a uh, as a non-league pundit and expert. Um, but we're, we're not going to talk to you about that tonight. We're going to talk to you about uh, the summer of 2010, which I think was... Uh, when you arrived at Ewish Park, now looking at the history books, you've just been uh, released. I think I'm right in saying you'll correct me if I've got that wrong um, by Brighton and Hove Albion. So, how did you hear about um, <clears throat> Yeovil Town, and, and, and what were your first impressions of I in? Mean, but it's Celtic, and then Brighton, and then and then t- uh, turning up at Yeovil. How did it all begin for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do, You're right. I, I my contract had run out. At Brighton and Gus Poyet, the manager, had come in and. <clears throat> And him and I didn't really see eye to eye from from the beginning and I kind of knew that the contract wasn't going to happen. So I I knew I was leaving anyway. Um, I'd gone to a new agency um, in terms of just trying to change my past and and, and see what would happen. And it was one of my regrets in my career because I I had a fairly decent agent at the time. And I would say they're a much smaller company but they kind of did what they said. They'll come and watch me play. Um, If I needed boots, they would send me boots, things like that at that level um, where you get a lot of agents that promise you the world and never really materialise on it. But then my father-in-law met an agent at a dinner and they got chatting and I just I just left Brighton. So I thought my stock was going to be quite high in terms of clubs. You know, I was captain of the club. I think I would played 28, 30 games that season anyway. Um, So I felt that, you know, a League One club would be. A given um and with this agency I felt I, I don't know I it's one of my regrets now as I just said and I, I had a couple of clubs lined up and they just didn't really materialize with a deal really and <clears throat> I spoke to Bristol Rovers funny enough before and Paul Trollope the manager rang me and in a nutshell he just basically said your, your agents just ruined that deal for you because the right. demands that he was asking for the way that he was talking to us um, and he just sort of said, just, just be careful with him, really. And I, I just signed with him, so I couldn't really do much about it. And then I, I was literally just sat at home twiddling my thumbs and panicking a little bit because the season had started, uh, the pre-season had started. And yeah, I know there's still a long way to go, but you, you kind of want to get in straight away. You don't want to be turning up sort of end of July, August time. Um, and, and Nathan Jones rang me. And... He basically said, what are you up to? And I just said, look, I'm, at the moment, I'm, I'm not really up to much at the moment. Um, and he said, well, just come down and train with us, which I thought was a, you know, a great idea. And Originally, when I first came down, I, you know, I had really no intention of signing. I just went down because, as we know, Yeovil pre-season squads are pretty limited anyway, even back then in 2010. Mm. Um, so I, I went along and I was training. I knew Ben Roberts that was down there already. So, um, and then we'd signed John Sullivan as a goalkeeper. So I kind of knew three people already down there. Um, And then just with the agency thing, it just wasn't quite materialising. And all of a sudden, um, I I enjoyed training. I got to know the lads really, really well, very, very quickly. Um, I got quite a nice feel for the club. Um, I got quite a nice feel for the area. Um, And there was a moment in my career, and I think when I was about 21, 22, where... I was doing okay. Um, I would started really well early on in my career, but then I kind of went for a little blip where Steve Koppel came in and it wasn't quite working out for me. And I always remember finishing training, so I must have been about 20. And I remember walking in and with Dan Harding, who ended up playing for Forest and Leeds, and him and I were best friends then. And Nathan Jones screamed over to me and sort of said, where are you going? And I was like, well, we're going in. And back then, you go home, you play Call of Duty and you kind of... Yeah. And I, when, I, when I turned up to training, I trained hard and I trained well. Um, but I didn't probably do enough um, in terms of the extras, and he just turned around to me. He said, "No, you're not." He goes, "You're going to come out with me now. You're going to do an extra half an hour with me out here. You're going to do some sprinting. We're going to do this." And then Sounds we're like Nathan with... Jones, yeah. Yeah, and he goes right, and then and then we're going to go and we to have your lunch, and then you are going to go in the gym afterwards with me. So there was me, Charlie Oatway, Dan Harding, and Nathan Jones. And when I first started, we would we never did like heavy weights. It was literally like push ups, dips, and press ups. And if I'm perfectly honest, I probably did about. 10 press-ups, three dips, two pull-ups. And that was really about me. And then gradually as I got, the more I did, the stronger I got. And by the end of it, you're kind of doing 20 sets of 20s. And that re- And I always remember that with Nathan. And I always felt I was probably at that little stage in my career where I just probably needed a bit of guidance. You know, I'd had a really big move, which was a great move for me, which didn't quite work out for me. I went back to Brighton, that didn't quite work out for me. So I kind of needed a bit more stability of being with someone maybe that could look after me like Nathan did when I was in those early twenties. So, you know, when I spoke to Terry, um, I just felt that, you know, what what have I got to lose? It was only going to be a year's contract at the time. I'd probably be playing regularly, which was going to be a big thing for me. And maybe just coming out of the spotlight a little bit and just enjoying your football again was was a main priority really. So that they, they were kind of the elements and, you know, Dean Bowditch was down there. Craig Alcott was down there. You know, we had Ed Upson, Luke Ayling, um Henderson had signed in goal. Um Andy Welsh was down there. Yeah, you know, so it was a it was a decent little squad of players really. And um so that's yeah, that you know,
2: why yeah. I, I was gonna ended up I, signing. Yeah, ask you uh, about that because you mentioned some of those players there, some real experienced there the and Nathan Jones. Paul Huntington was there at the time yeah, as well, Hunts I think. Young. Hunts, yeah. Um, but then Luke Ayling, who, obviously everybody knows yeah. him now, but I think he'd just been released by, by Arsenal. Um, at the at the time, so he was probably just coming coming back into his his career. I mean, do you remember seeing some of that? The what you just spoken about there, that Nathan Jones brought to you back then, seeing some of that with players like like Luke Hayley? And What's there that nice mix of so youth and experience?
1: Yeah, Luke Freeman was down there. He's another one that's just coming yeah. to my head. He got a four million pound move to Sheffield United. So you know, they they're at that age where could go well and I was at that age once upon a time and mm. I ended up getting my head right and, and moving to Celtic around that time so you know Luke Luke was a great kid if you have said to me back then would he go on to have the career that he's had today I'd probably say not mm. but the one thing he had and the same with Ed and the same with Luke Freeman they, they had a great work ethic and they wanted to listen to you and um and, and they were good good pros as well um and you know, I, I know Nathan looked after, I know Darren Wade did a lot with Ed Upson at the time, worked on his game constantly all the time. We we almost said like, you know, father and son, really, you know, it was almost right. like, oh, you know, there's daddy taking you off again for another training session and stuff. And, you know, but that was just banter. And um, so it was, I, I could see those players doing well in their careers, but, you know, like anything, you're given a chance and an opportunity. They They really took the, The Reigns and, you know, Luke has been, you know, Luke Hayden in particular has been phenomenal and, you know, arguably one of the most consistent right backs in the Premier League. Unfortunately for him, if he was Scottish or Irish or Welsh, well, Welsh, he'd have gone to a World Cup. Yeah. You know, so unfortunately, being English and having 45 right backs in front of him, he's never really going to stand a chance. But that that shows the calibre of right backs in England. But then, no offence, if he was Scottish, Republic of Ireland or Welsh... He' probably oh, a plenty funny, well. yeah, so ah. you know, but unfortunately, but he's done really well, and you know, I've done a couple of games when I've done leads, and you know he's always been really appreciative. he's always been really nice, and I, I like people like that to to go on to do well, so we had we had a good little crop of youngsters, and you know Terry had been there, seen it done as a player, and was still fun in his way as a manager. so I, you know I felt there was a good continuity throughout the whole club that okay we, we I don't think we were going to be relegated, but I couldn't see us having a Gary Johnson season finishing in the playoffs, but I felt that we'll be competitive in most games.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you as well about uh, Skivo, because obviously he's a, he's a legend to us at uh, uh, Yoval, But how, what was it like com- coming in, you as a centre-half as well, and uh, having someone who was a, a relatively inexperienced manager then and maybe had this aura about him within Yeovil, but maybe not so much outside of Yeovil. Would you Do you remember that? Yeah, I,
1: I, I mean, I've played against Terry yeah. on a number of occasions, and I think he was still trying to find that balance of being a player, but now you're the manager. Mm. And... When you when you've been a player in those four walls for a number of seasons, and then you make that jump to a manager as a, as a player, sometimes it's some, not not difficult to gain the respect of players, but you may see how he's acted as a player, mm. drinking, going out, you know. But that's uh, listen, I've got stories on Nathan Jones, so like you know what I mean. Like we're all players once upon a time. If I ever became a manager, uh, people would have the same. I think the one thing that I think really helped me and him and I was that his communication as a defender to a defender was, yeah. was still really, really important. Um, and I thought that that really had, there, there was certain elements in his career in, in what he taught me that I hadn't been taught previously, even at the age of 25. And I, you know, with my coaching now, I coach kids what, what he was teaching me. So right. I think, I think the elements of the basics of defending, um, I think, I think he really, really helped me. Um, yeah. But that was more as a player talking to me rather than a manager talking to me. I, I, the, the way I see him as a manager is what does he do tactically? You know how how does he assess the, the squad throughout the week? What's his training schedule like? Things like that. But in terms of him coaching me as a defender, I think he felt more comfortable when used to take the defenders. We, when we used to go away and do drills, he was in his element. But sometimes when you do strikers deal, drills, that's not in your element because you're no. still learning about the game in that final third area. When you're when you're later in your life and you get coach, you get a strikers coach coming in. You got a midfield coach. You got a bloody passing coach. You know all, all the coaches that you have now at this level but at that stage I think he had a good balance of coaches you know Jonesy was being involved even though he was still playing Ben was a great well you see Ben now as a goalkeeping coach he's yeah. gone to Chelsea I, I, I'd say this honestly I think he's a future England goalkeeping coach I think mm-hmm. he's, he's been that good um, and Darren Way again very very strict in what he did but he, he had principles and he had standards and he had methods and um, you know he, he he had a successful well he had a stint as manager which got them to a Johnston Payne area final I think one year um so i think i think it was always a good balance of managers and 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 the right players in that squad at the time
2: yeah I mean, going into the season, you, you, I think you made a debut looking at the, the record books here, 2-1 win over, over over Leighton Orient. But your first goal actually came in, in what turned out to be a defeat at, at Bristol Rovers. Obviously, as you mentioned there, you went you went on to um to play for them. But you, you, you'd you scored, didn't you, an equaliser in the 89th mm. minute, which you, you must have thought was the equaliser. And then uh, it, so it says here Byron Moore popped up with a winner in injury time. Uh, that I remember at the time being a, a, a local derby. I remember being at that game on that little funny Terrace in the corner, but yeah. you, you must Have thought you, you'd nicked a point there, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd started my career pretty well you know, I remember the Lane Orient game, I got man of the match And yeah. I, I remember playing really well in that game And I, I was really important I just needed to get off to a good start And I remember scoring against Man United under-23s in, in, yeah, in a game For um, Darren
2: Way, wasn't it? The, yeah,
1: there the, yeah. Was, was a charity match for him And I remember scoring in that and playing really well I remember coming on at half-time against Swansea And playing really, really well and then that's kind of when Terry took me on. And I, that's kind of when I started well. And then I thought, right, well, if I move or go some... It kind of unbalanced the thing, really. And, mm. um, and then I played really well against Antoine. And then we got the equaliser against... Um, Rovers, Bristol yeah. Crystal Rovers. And I they scored in, like, the 95th minute. And I always remember in the dressing room, because the dressing rooms at Rovers are really tight and they were yeah. banging away. And there was a bit of afters, afters in the tunnel and stuff. And... Um, Funny enough because they end up kind of my teammates the next year, but you know, Chris Lines <laughs> and all that lot, you know, we had massive rucks and stuff, which, yeah. you know, we laughed about when I turned up first day at, um, at Bristol Rovers. Um, but yeah, we, I think and we, had a, we had a good We I think we played Palace in the League Cup and we gave them a really good game. I think we yeah. lost that night, but we yeah. gave them a really, really good game. Um, and I think, you know, I think we started the season fairly solidly. And yeah, we, like we you said, weren't great, st- we weren't bad, we weren't great. I think we were just, you know, we were okay.
2: Yeah, there's the first few games, weren't there? Like I say, two, two uh, a, a win and a um, and a defeat in the uh, in in the league. Then there looked like there was a bit of a, a, a tricky spell up until the end of um, end of September, but then it, it seemed to turn around with a um, uh, a, a one all draw at home to Southampton. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good point when you you look you look at that, and then that was followed with um, a winner a, a win at Walsall, and again you scored in both of those games, and that. End of September, beginning of October seemed to be a point where the results at least show that things began to turn around. And I suppose as a squad of players, you're getting to know each other by that point in the season. Yeah, aren't you?
1: I mean, it, it, it's like anything, a, a great turnaround of players is always going to take a little bit of time. And mm. I felt that the performances were decent. I think Northampton was in there as well, which we drew or maybe lost. And we were unlucky. to. There were certain games where we weren't probably getting the points that our performance our performances deserved at that time. But I remember that Southampton game because they had yeah. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Lilana, Ricky yeah. Lambert. Uh, yeah. Dan Harding was playing that night, former teammate of mine. Dean Hammond was another one.
2: Yeah. Um, Davis in goal, Kevin Davis, wasn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah, I mean, that team was a
1: championship team. And I, I yeah. remember that. We played really, really well that night. And I think I think I scored a penalty that night. And, yep. <laughs> and, I, and I think after that game, we came in afterwards. And I think everyone just looked and, you know, Skivo was... He's very passionate in what he says and what he believes, and it's just like you've probably played the best team in the league there, and we've given them a right run for their money. Um, and I think, especially at home, I think that gave us confidence that do you know what, against anybody, we we can give them a game. Um, and then we went away to Walsall. and as I said, I, think I scored a, a winner there, which was a header. Um, and the belief, I think, you know, a pattern of play was starting to materialise. I think positions were. I think the one area that we probably did struggle was scoring goals because you know we had Dean Bodich had a really good season but if i remember rightly i don't think we really had too many options i think we had sam williams
2: yeah um, sam williams uh, um, and andy williams as well i think yeah, andy, another
1: it, one, but yeah. i think skivo was deciding whether he's a winger or a striker yeah um so
2: yeah craig calves was in there as well isn't he he was never yeah, really prolific I mean, so yeah there was
1: um, there was a few of those youngsters that kind of mm-hmm. came in off the rack kind of thing that yeah. I think was in there for the budget wise to make up the numbers, but not necessarily um, possibly going to be that at that level to take you forward really. Um, nice. But yeah, I remember, yeah, we, we won at Walsall. And I remember it was like a, it was a really good feeling in the club.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I said a few few wins after that, but I have to I have to fast forward a little bit to a game that I don't think anyone who was there will ever forget, which was at Sheffield Wednesday on uh, an absolutely on a, a cold night uh, like the one I'm talking to you in December now. But uh, um, and and it's a, a bit of a memorable one for you as well because uh, it, it, you um, you came on after sixty six minutes and, th- and three minutes later you're turning Gary Medine upside down and uh, there was a yeah. penalty which uh, I think they took uh and scored and then had to retake it and then that's missed <laughs> i mean you must have been involved in some crazy games in your career but that that's got to be up there isn't it to all with with nine men i think it ended up didn't it yeah i mean luke and i got sent off luke right. and
1: myself yeah i'm 99.9 sure that was on my birthday
2: um, yeah 25th of uh, january yes, yeah it's
1: my birthday yeah was i remember <laughs> that and so nine of you, you turn you're going a year older you're up in sheffield on a tuesday night um yeah. And I think I'd have picked up an injury a couple of games before and I sort of, right. I was just on the bench really. And um, I remember Luke getting, being sent off and Skibo turning around to me and saying, right, well, you're coming on. And I was like, right, well, here we go. And I yeah. just remember running all the way over to the other side. So they took the free kick. It kind of went back. They switched it, went down the wing. He's crossed it and he's got in front of me. And I've, we just, I've, I've tripped up over him and yeah, given away a penalty and got a red card and... Honestly, Haylin, and I remember walking past Luke Skivo, didn't say much to me. And I remember walking down the tunnel at H- um, Hillsborough. And I took a left, and Luke Hanning sat down.
2: <laughs> what are he you turned, doing here? He turned around like that,
1: and he kind of double took me. And he went, "What are you doing here?" He thought I was going to the toilet. He thought right. I was going to the toilet because he saw me coming on. He thought I'd run back in to quickly go yeah. to the toilet. Yeah. I've just been set, and he couldn't. He couldn't. But he's like, "How?" He said, like, yeah. "I finally just." I said, "Oh, this happened now." And happened. And, uh, and then oh. we heard the screams when they missed. And um, but yeah, that was. Uh, I remember telling Peter Drury that story. Yeah. Um, when I was working for BT, we did an FA Cup game at Hillsborough, and I told him that, and he he, he found it. We had to mention it during the game, but he found it really <laughs> funny. Um, Brilliant. But, I mean, give away penalties as long as they miss. You kind of you, you say you took one for the team, but
2: yeah, um, yeah. But, but that yeah, was that a was, crazy was game, wasn't it? Night. Proper backs to the wall stuff. I remember. I remember Paul Huntington just being like two yeah. players in one. I think. Yeah, he was brilliant that night.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, he's you know he had the, he had those performances that you you have every now and then. You just you're a ten out of ten. You know you are. You know and he was. I remember him being brilliant that night, even before the even before I'd sent off. Um, yeah. But yeah, the players really dug in well and. I say Sheffield Wednesday finished strong that season and oh yeah you know, well,
2: again another good team you look at you look down the, the players that they've got in there they say Medin, Neil Neil Mellor was obviously a, a player at the, the, the time Coke who scored Reader Johnson Nicky Weaver in goal there's some yeah. experience in there yeah. isn't there yeah you forget at the time like the, the players that they, when you
1: read them back oh yeah he played in like, like yeah. you remember the 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 squads that they had I think um you know big budgets as well big club um, yeah, club, yeah, yeah, I remember that
2: being, a, a, you know, not a good night for me, but uh, a good night for the club to get a point. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, looking through the results from that year, another another highlight um, was a was a 5-1 win at Leighton Orient in, in March. Now, we had Sean McDonald on uh, one of these yeah. uh, a couple of uh, months back and, and he told us that you were less than uh, accepting of letting him take a penalty. I think he scored twice and then there was a penalty and he said... Uh, uh, he said I can't repeat what Verg said to me, but uh, it, it was something like you better score this yeah, or something yeah. like that. Was, I mean, but it, it, he was a great player as well, wasn't he? Another one of those yeah, young he's another one. I think we brought him big. on
1: loan, and you know, Swans he came GM. in and he really helped the team. Yeah. he just a midfielder that was kind of six foot three, strong. Um, you know, he had a you know an engine like a train. Mm. Um, you know, he's gone on to represent Wales and played at a really really high level but I was really kind of I don't know once once you're given a penalty um role that's yours yeah. you know and yeah, you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's a chance to get goals and um and it's a big opportunity and I remember we we oh Christ, we absolutely flew out the blocks that day and I remember him yeah. scoring too and I, but the thing was that my whole family had come up from Brighton to watch it and they were all oh, in so right. was it was a nice if he would only had one, he wouldn't have been able to take it. And I did say, no. I said you, because I didn't miss. I said you, bloody miss it. I said, <laughs> It'll honestly, be at the end of year, yeah. you. Yeah, miss miss it And in, in fairness, he tucked it away. And yeah, in fairness, I would say uh, there's few that I, you know, would have done that for. And he, he would have definitely been one. But if there was a, there'd have been a couple of others who picked up the ball. I might have said no to them, like <laughs> Craig, like Craig Allcott
2: or someone. But or Andy Welsh, who are yeah. friends of mine. But. Um, like, like you say, when you're on two goals and uh, and that that wasn't even half time at that. Point. I know, it I know, I know that, that was that a killer penalty. as well.
1: That that, yeah. was, that that was the and it wasn't like it was two two in the game and it no. wasn't it. I can't, we, we were flying away. It was at that stage where Skivo was happy for it to go to someone else, and it's not. In fairness, you, you you wouldn't give it to like Nathan Smith if he was on. You know what I mean? Like, so I yeah. no disrespect to smudge, but someone like him, you just think, right, you're not you're not going anywhere near a penalty, but. Um but he was a good enough player to to trust yeah. and, and thankfully he put it into the back of the net. And that was a yeah, yeah a really, a really good victory for us. We absolutely
2: annihilated him that day. Yeah. And and you've mentioned some of the loans, there, obviously uh, Sean McDonald being one of them. But you look at some of the others: you've got John Abiku in there, Max Aime, yeah. Steve Henderson in goal. He was fantastic yeah, that Oak. season. Yeah, Owen T- Tudor Jones as yeah. well. I, I mean, there there are a lot in there, weren't they? Who played really key roles at different points of that season. I mean, is that difficult as a you were there all the way through it to have these kind of players coming in and out? Was that a, a, a challenge or? I, th- I,
1: th- I think at that stage, I always remember Yeovil signing really good loan players. Yeah. Stephen Colker was one. I remember him coming down. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andros I mean, Townsend
2: was in there. Yeah, again, a good one, I mean, yeah, I
1: mean your, your knowledge alone. But I just remember when, but they weren't kind of known players no. at that time, you know. But I always remember that Yeovil had a decent relationship with Tottenham, I remember. And, you know, you noticed, oh, it's on a youngster, you know, we signed Luke Freeman from Arsenal, you know, mm. Aileen from Arsenal. So there was always those relationships, but you don't know at that stage how well they're going to do. But when Sean came in, when Owen Tudor Jones came in, when beaks come in they they're kind of at a decent level where you think yeah these these are the kind of leader and they're leaders and that's a massive thing and with loan signings they've got to be for me I think Terry will look at their personality more than anything than their talent you you bring in characters sometimes you bring in loan players that are going to come in for a better word you know not do their not do their bet but it's they don't care but mm-hmm. they cared, and that, that and I think that was a big... I think Beaks coming at Hartlepool and scored a couple of goals, I remember. Um, and then Sean came in and, you know, he came in and made a massive difference in terms of that energy in midfield, that balance with, with Owen. It gave the likes of Ed Upson and Luke a bit of a rest sometimes to rotate around those areas. Um, you had yeah. like Andy Williams, Tudor Jones, Sean McDonald, Andy Welsh. You know, it's a decent midfield line in terms of that. And then Hendo in goal was, was absolutely brilliant. Um, oh, was
2: fantastic that season, wasn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was. He was. His kicking—I always remember his kicking was. He was the first keeper I remember to put a goal kick in the middle of the six-yard box, not you know they go on like either corner. Yeah. He was the first one in the middle, and I thought he was right-footed, and he pinged one out of his left foot to that way, and I was like, bloody hell, that's <laughs> that's really good. And so, yeah. um, he came in and made a huge difference. And so with Ben Roberts being his goalkeeping coach, and yeah. um, that season, um, you know, we we, you know. There's always going to be a balance. So they,
2: they came in and made a huge difference, of course. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the teams that we played that season, we've mentioned a few here, Bournemouth, Southampton, Sheffield Wednesday, Charlton in there as well. Obviously, um, Bournemouth and Southampton went on to the Premier League. And then you've got the likes of Oldham, Notts County, who um, who went down to the National League. I mean, did it, did it feel like the club as a, as a whole, we, we were always punching out above our mm. weight at that level?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd noticed that, you know, I'd been at Brighton, Brighton weren't the club as they were, um, the seas that season, but they had a good manager in Gus and they, you know, ended up winning the league that year. Mm. Um, so I, I knew you can tell straight away in terms of finances you know, even at that level makes a massive, massive difference on who you can sign and, and who you can bring in. Um, and, you know, you look at the players around you and you look at the size of clubs. If you're getting a crowd of two and a half thousand and you're going up against teams that have got 10 and 12 thousands, yeah. you know, that. The, but I don't think they ever, as as a club, I never got the impression they use that as an excuse in terms of within that. And I think Skiver hated the term little old Yeovil. He, he yeah. hated that, you know, he used to detest people. Oh, so, you know, because they always had that FA Cup run yeah. every now and then. And, you know, the non-league side that kind of got into the third round and, they kind of had that tag of little old Yeovil. And I remember him kind Giaculars of... Giant
2: killers and all that. Yeah,
1: yeah he, he hated that. And like mm. when we went to Southampton and we went to Sheffield Wednesday, um, he wanted us to be on level par. And, you know, some of the performances that we did that season were on that. And he, he made a big point that, that that under his tenure, that just stops that, we're, you know, we're not little old Yeovil. We're we're a decent side that got some decent players. And on our day, we, we can give anyone a game. Yeah, we're going to lose games. Of course we are. But um, I think... I'm. I think Notts County away was the only one I, th- I remember was a really bad day. Um, yeah. We, we got beat heavily. I think I had a that. load of injuries. I played up front and mm-hmm. Skimmer went mad after that.
2: Um, that's the first time I saw him really lose it. Um, yeah. There's some decent players, though, for, for for that level. Ben Davis, I remember the midfielder there that yeah, day. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a Hugh's decent player. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, I mean, it, it got to the to the end of that season, um, and uh, you played thirty six games, uh, scored, scored five goals. I mean, what what happened next? Did you did did you want to stay? Were you offered the chance to stay, or, or where did it go from there?
1: Yeah, it's it probably the only frustrating thing about my stay at the club. I remember we we stayed up quite early that season mm. in terms of, you know, we weren't going to get promoted, but we weren't going to get relegated. So I remember Skiver giving the big talk of. This is the season it changes. This is the season where we're going to be well prepared for next season. Contracts are going to be given out early. You're going to know where you stand. And he kind of was trying to build up a, a squad to go again next season. And yeah, you know, I speak to Welshy, I speak to Craig Alcott, you know, I speak to all these players, and you know, we're good, real close knit. And it's almost like, well, you know, if the deal's right, you're going to stay. Yeah, I'll stay if you stay. it was almost kind of like that, really. Yeah. Um, And then we got to Carlisle away last game of the season and nothing had been said, nothing had been done. Um, And literally when we were about to leave, he, he he called us all in one by one, I think the day before and handed these envelopes with our contracts. And basically they were the same contracts that we were all
2: on
1: that season. And I, I pulled mine out after and I looked at it and I was like, well, there's no increase. There's nothing. It's another year. Yeah. Like there was just nothing. It was like offered me the same contract. And I was like, Run. then I spoke to Welshie and he was like, yeah, he's offered me the same con and, like everyone had been offered the same contracts. And we were like, and then Skibbo yeah. goes up. I'm, I'm trying to sort the, uh, the budget out and trying to sort more money to play you all that. That's just like, a, that's what the basically, if I gave you a contract, it means we want to keep you. That's the way, yeah. the way that he described it. I went away that summer and I must've called him. Ten times, like, I kept calling him, didn't pick up my phone, didn't pick wow. up my calls. Spoke to Jonesy, and I was like, "What, what's, what's going on?" I'm trying mm. to keep. It. And he goes, "Yeah, no, he's, he'll call you back." That and he, and he never really called me. He never called right. me back. And then I'd gone with a new agent um, who had had these couple of league ones and Bristol Road, and they're kind of well, they want an answer. Mm. Um, and I'd I'd have been really happy to stay because I, I'd, I'd really loved it down there. Um, my son was born in Yeovil um yeah. you know and my wife was really happy we, like, we loved it there you know I lived in Tintin Hole which is a little village just on the outskirts yeah. of Yeovil absolutely loved it there um really liked the club and out of my whole career that year at Yeovil was my my best my the, the most I enjoyed football um, right. and that, and I and I remember you know it was I may not have been on the most money, I might not this, it was just about, It was I I absolutely loved it, just everything about the club, the, where the location was, where I lived, um, and it was probably the happiest year of my career, um, but unfortunately, just the, the deal never materialised, and unfortunately, like we see today, and like you've probably seen for the last 10 years, that mm. you think, here we go, We've got a decent little squad of players that we can keep the majority of them of course like, like Dean Bodich was always going to go you know someone like him had scored 14-15 goals you know he was always going to go um, but there was a good nucleus of us still to stay to rebuild again Um, unfortunately the, the contracts didn't materialise for us and you know I left and well she went to Carlisle and you know unfortunately yeah. you, you go your separate ways again which was a real shame really because I felt that you know I think Terry was building something but Probably know. Yeah. I, probably now I know how the clubs run in the past yeah. and stuff. I, I probably know that he's probably had his hands back uh, tied behind his back, and mm. you know we just he just probably couldn't pay the money that we were after, and um, unfortunately you, you regroup and you go again and you sign another twenty players in the summer. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean, when you saw, obviously, the, the season after that was the one where, where Gary Johnson came back midway through the season and then the season after that, they're getting um, promoted into the championship. I mean, were you surprised by by that? You'd obviously seen some of these players, Luke Kalen, Ed Upson, you, you've mentioned there. Were you surprised to see Oval make that that jump pop at that point?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was always going to be a surprise. Mm-hmm. But like anything in recruitment, even at national league level today, and this is where you know probably Chris Hargreaves struggled. He never found a Paddy Madden. You nah. know these kind of players that come in that you think that you you don't expect them to score twenty five goals. That nah. that's that's the norm of it, you know. And Gary that season, I'm I'm pretty sure it was Paddy that season that that fired them to to oh yeah. To, you know what I mean? So I mean I'm trying to remember my my knowledge of the EFL and when they got promoted, but um.
2: It's tw- yeah, 2012 13, wasn't it? That season, yeah.
1: Yeah, so like he came in, um, you know, Luke had improved a lot, Ed had improved a lot. So those two, so there's just two players from a squad of players that I was in that were influential that season. Yeah. So if you kind of keep those group of players still and you build on that, then that's how you build success. But uh, he got lucky with Paddy in terms of the goals that he scored. But listen, that's recruitment, and, you know, you're going to get those signings that are going to come in and absolutely score goals and, you know, you, you're going to get those every now and then. Unfortunately for Yeovil, they, they did that. Um, but unfortunately, that going into the championship was going to be a huge, huge task to stay in there. I, that was the year I retired. Um, I remember doing Yeovil Brighton on Sky towards the back end of the season. I think it was the day they went down, actually. Which yep, was,
2: I remember that one um, at, at, at Brighton, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, but listen, it was, I remember going to the first game of the season against Birmingham. I think it was. Um, uh for, yeah, for, first game at uh, home, first home game Against, Birmingham, um, yeah, that's against right, yeah. Birmingham. But again, it was always gonna be difficult. And then yeah. the next time I go to Yeovil they're playing Manchester United in the FA Cup. I then speak to Gary saying, Well, this this game must be great because mm. you're gonna get a load of finances bring players in. And he just went, No. no and gonna. you know what I mean? And then he goes and then um Starrett comes in and
2: well, yeah.
1: Unfortunately, the rest of
2: there, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, obviously anybody who uh, follows non-league football will, will know you now as uh, as, a, as a pundit, uh, particularly on the National League in, in BT, and I know you do a lot of other games as well. It's an interesting move. Was was that always something that you had in mind or was coaching always something you wanted to do? Or was the, the media going to be it for you? Yeah, I mean, the, the career ended
1: a lot quicker than I thought. Right. You know, people forget I, I retired at 30, which, you know, I picked up the injury at 29. I played my last game at 29 and ended up being 30 when I retired. Um, so it all came about a lot earlier than I thought. I hadn't done my badges then, and that's one regret I have. I've done them now, but it, I, I was almost playing catch-up um, after I retired. I'd always been really interested in the media. I'd always, you know, I, I enjoyed sort of the, um, journalism. I, I enjoyed the the kind of TV side. I'm I'm going to do my work experience at Sky Sports when I was 13. And the guy that, was at Sky, it was a guy called Grant Best, who went to school with my brother. Um, so I'd known Grant since I was about six. And I think in life, sometime, timing is everything. Y- you, and you're lucky as well. Um, I'd started coaching at Brighton, but because I didn't have my B licence, they were limiting me to what I could do with the teams and stuff. And um, I was doing a lot of individual work with players, defenders mainly. Uh, working on techniques and and sessions and stuff. And I'd take individuals or little groups of players and stuff. So I was doing that, which I enjoyed, but I wasn't getting anywhere near the hours that I needed and stuff. And um, BT had um, just started up that season. Um, A friend of mine who worked in Sky called Brian Swanson. I was trying to get into Sky um, at the time with the EFL, but they were giving me games every now and then. You know, It was a game here, a game there. If Brighton or on, I'd be the pundit. But then yeah. if it was, I don't know, Burnley versus Covent- uh, Coventry, or something, I wouldn't be the pundit. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost yeah. like I, I was in every now and then. Um, and then Grant said to me, look, there's nothing available for you at the moment because the National League, I think James Beattie had been given the co-con role no, and, and they hadn't really come up with a pundit scenario. I think they were just getting players on that had kind of been at that level. They hadn't really found their their team yet like we, unlike what we have today mm-hmm. um and he said look just go away get as much experience as possible um so then I went to talk sport and got some gigs there then I basically got my main gig my main break at BBC Sussex doing the Brighton games doing the radio um and then November James Beatty took the Accenton job Grant called me and said this is your chance really you and, and never looked back and the rest is history yeah mm. um it, you know, I'd be honest with you. If if he wasn't there, I doubt I would have got the gig. But he, I know he had to go above his head to, even though he was the heads, but then he's the manager. But then he's got people above him.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: would, and I know how TV works. They want names. They want someone who's played at the highest level sometimes. And he was like, no, I, this one's on me, kind of thing. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. take the brunt of this one. But I believe in Adam. I know he he can learn the business, and you know, and. I've I've just taken the opportunity and chance because I had my career taken away from me early. I wasn't going to let this one go. And, you know, I work hard on research. I work hard on becoming a better co-com. And I was really lucky because my early games, I was working with Steve Bauer every week, who's done the World Cup for BBC. Yeah. I was then doing FA Cup games with Ian Dark. I was then working with like Jonathan Pierce. I was working with um, John Champion. I was working with Peter Drury. And I was working with all these names that,
2: if you don't learn from these people, then you, you're never going to learn. They're your Nathan um, Jones from the story you told at right? And they're the ones that helped you uh, yeah, guide mass- experience, yeah. And I
1: think what they liked about me was that w- when you turn up and you've done your research, they think right, he, he's
2: done serious, yeah.
1: And they, and they and they they prefer that than somebody just turns up that maybe a bigger name, yeah. That might have got fifty caps. But that you know, they look so you go right. Well, who's playing today? Or yeah. they can't help you. And um, so I've, I've taken this really seriously and. It comes out in your work in terms of what you do. I, I know there's still a glass ceiling of me of getting a Champions League semi final or being on the World Cup for ITV or be I listen. I know that, but um, but it's, you know, I'm still going to keep trying and still still do my very best. I feel that I do a good job as a co com I think I do as a good job as a pundit, um, and I work with some really good people that that help me become better. Which um, but I love the job now. I I'm so lucky in terms of having a you know a good career. And now doing this, you know, you talk about football and commentate on football for for a living, which um,
2: that's a dream, isn't
1: it? It yeah. is, yeah, it's brilliant. I'm I'm really really lucky. I work for a really good company. I love doing the national league, um, and you know, and it's just something, something i have always got to be really appreciative
2: of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Adam, really appreciate you joining us tonight. We just want to leave you uh, with one question that we always ask um, uh, our. Uh, our guests on this, which is just anything that you'd like to say. Is obviously a lot of Yeovil Town fans that are listening to this. Anything that you'd like to say to them about your your short but but eventful time with uh, as a Yeovil Town player?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's as as, as, as I said to you halfway through this podcast. It, it was the happiest year of my life in terms of my playing career. Um, I don't think they realise how much they actually helped me in terms of support, um, and I've 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 really a really strong bond with the club even though i was only there for a year um i still see don down in de- the don the dentist <laughs> i still yeah. go and see him i'm going to see him in april i've bought a flat in sherborne um so i i go down there when i can um to you know I, I just love that part you know i still eat at the half moon every time i go past in in yeah i still love the lasagna and chips and stuff everything i always go there um and 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 I'm never biased in my commentary, but I'll I'll always have a soft spot for for Yoville because it there was that stage in my career where I needed a lift. And even the people like Gene used to work in the secretary and AD and Dave and all that lot behind the scenes, they don't realise how how much they helped me at the time. And you know, Skivo and, and Jonesy and Darren Way. Um it, they 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 were really, really influential and in just giving me a lift again. And I, I I'm gutted to see where the club is at the moment. I, I really am. And um, I hope things can turn around and things can improve. You know, I was I was as happy as anybody seeing them in the championship. You know, that was, there's no animosity from me at all. You know, I just want the club to do really, really well. I want Brighton to do well. And out of all my old clubs, I I probably still have that. I want to see Yeovil do the best out of all of them. You know, when I see Celtic play in the Champions League, yeah, of course I want them to win, but... I've all, I'm always going to have a soft spot for Yeovil um, throughout my life, and you know my boy's been born down there, so that you know, it's on his birth certificate, so it's yeah. never.
2: They kind of avoid
1: really... it now. No, exactly. So um, you know, so he's, you know, he's 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 a Tottenham fan, but his his second club's Yeovil. I always make sure, you know, you got you got to support your non-league club. You got
2: to support your Yeovil um, hometown but... team, innit? If he was born, oh, is, is yeah, no, true, yeah,
1: <laughs> they're, they're more, yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, just, just thank you to all the fans. And, um, you know, if, when, I when I do go down to Eurish Park, it's nice seeing everyone again and, and catching up because it's, uh, it's a really special, you know, team for me, really. And I, I do wish that they
2: can be successful again and, and, and get back into the Football League. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this will agree with that. So, Adam, just to, uh, finally, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate you giving up your time. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll speak to you again. Cheers. Thank you.
0: And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Stock slams it in. There's Lindergaard,
1: making for his back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanded by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Turn away from Jordan.